welcome everybody to an episode, another episode of Daybreak Crypto. I've got Swiss here with me today, Tuesday, May 3rd, and we're going to get it rocking with you. So the first thing we want to talk about today is a peer-to-peer lending platform on the Flow blockchain called Floaty. Floaty just raised $4.5 million in its first funding round, which was co-led by Greenfield One and Lattice Capital. Uh, the capital will be used for further platform developments and building out the engineering and development team. So basically what this platform does is, at least right now, you can put up your top shot NFTs or other flow blockchain NFTs up on this marketplace and you can lend or borrow against them out on certain terms. Um, I already noted this, but it's built on the flow blockchain um, because it was more or less built precisely for NFTs as it was conceived by the team behind CryptoKitties after a massive Ether backup uh, forced them off of Ethereum. Flow has worked with the NBA, UFC, Ubisoft, and Warner Music Group, just to name a few. They've probably got 20 or 25 notable company names on their associate list. Um, The thought behind Flow was that it will be able to potentially scale efficiently to hundreds of millions of people interacting simultaneously in-game or on-chain. And how they do this is they use a proof-of-stake consensus mechanism that requires validators to stake a certain number of tokens to participate in the network, similar to some of the blockchain projects we're interested in on the Cosmos, where it's kind of more, um, you know, proof of stake. What's unique is that Flow splits up the validation tasks into four separate types of nodes, which are consensus, verification, execution, and um, I have college, but that's got to be collage. Yeah. But anyways, all four nodes participate in validation of the transaction. And this is notable because over the weekend, Solana had its seventh outage of just 2022, as it was flooded with inbound transactions representing over 100 gigabytes of data per second. And as we covered yesterday on the pod, the release by Yuga Labs over the weekend had buyers spend about 180 million collectively in Ether solely on gas fees for the NFTs. And as we mentioned, some of those people didn't even get NFTs because they were sold out. So they just spent five to six grand in gas uh, to end up with a bunch of ape coins that were taking in price. But a good quote that I found was from uh, one of the directors at Floaty. And it said, our platform can be used by anyone, people who are traditionally unbankable or people who are in regions where they don't have a robust financial system. And this is because it's peer-to-peer and because of how we set up our platform, we can provide our services to people without them needing to go through strict regulatory concepts. Um, Dylan, I want to get your thoughts before I go any further. Yeah, this is a really interesting company that started here. And Flow, the blockchain, is I think it was pretty much purpose-built by the Topshot team and the CryptoKitties team. That's the same, Debra Labs, same people. Um, But this was really neat because... It was bootstrapped by a quote-unquote Top Shot whale, who I think made a lot of money in some of the Top Shot NFTs, and then realized, hey, I have all of these illiquid assets, all these other people as well who participated in the, the NFT program at Top Shot. Let's turn this into a market. Let's put this collateral to work. And they put this platform together to facilitate borrowing and lending against the asset as collateral and i've not used it i mean there's a ton of information that is in their medium post you can read about the fee structure a bunch of example scenarios 
And I just think it's like a really cool story of someone who identified an opportunity, who made a lot of money, was able to bootstrap it. I mean, they bootstrapped this whole thing. And in their posts that we've linked to, they say, we just realized that with the financial flexibility of bringing on some strategic angel investors and a couple of institutionals, we can really make this into something special. So I admire that. I really admire that grit and just identifying a unique opportunity. Like this is, this is really coming out of a hype cycle, I would say, and, and thinking about, all right, how do I, how do I use what I've just made out of a hype cycle and build a platform to keep this going and keep innovation going? So I'm, I'm really impressed by their, their ability to just self-start that. Definitely. I mean, one of, one of the notes I have written is basically mirrors exactly what you just said. The more opportunity I have to further profit off of investments that I've already profited off of, the better it is in my book. So, you know, most of these lending platforms, I was looking up two or three different ones. And, you know, number one, you select the pool that'll accept your NFT. So basically what blockchain it's on, you have to find, you know, a collateral site that will work with you. Then you supply your NFT as collateral, and then you borrow against your NFT. I was seeing it's typically 20 to 40%. Um, I saw a couple of 30% you can borrow. So say you have a million dollar NFT, you can borrow up to you know 300,000 typically. And then you manage your credit to make sure you don't go over a certain limit. And I know I'm out of my element here, um, but our inner lunatic Greg uh, has had <laughs> me dabbling with the Mars protocol a couple of times. And it kind of just reminds me of that where you know, as long as you stay under a th certain percentage threshold, you're good. But if you go over, it might liquidate your holdings, aka your NFT. And yeah, I mean, I'm in the same book. I probably went through a span earlier this year when NFTs were nuts, where I probably bought way too many, probably 15 or 20 different NFTs. And I just ended up selling like half of them just because I didn't want to sit on them and I wanted to redeploy that capital. So this is actually a perfect you know, solution to that problem. And I now probably wish I had some of the nicer ones I sold, but, you know, it's a good solution to a problem that not many people were talking about in the NFT space. And as we talked about last week, you know, NFTs are kind of cooling off in terms of Web3, DeFi, and that kind of uh, the different aspects of Web3. So it'll be cool to see how this goes and, you know, how much money they keep on making and what they build out of the 4.5 mil. Yeah, I guess I, if you, maybe you know the answer to this, but I, I don't really understand why, why would somebody want to borrow one of these NFTs? Is it because they think they can borrow it at a entry price today, like resell it. So I don't later. think you're borrowing the actual NFT. You're getting capital that's locked up in a smart contract, as far as I know. So like, I, I don't understand 100% how the financials work, but I was under the assumption that you put in your NFT and then somehow there's financial collateral on the website i don't know i don't know i don't i don't know the exact specifics yeah. on that so maybe yeah that's see that's what it's like kind of like why is this even a thing but i i think the premise is you you enter into some kind of debt agreement against the collateral and you're speculating on the the price performance of the collateral maybe i'm not really sure but i it's it's kind of complicated I, when you look at their their 
their medium, I didn't find like a, I'm, I'm, I opened the primer and they don't really explain like, why would somebody want to, want to borrow? <laughs> yeah, they definitely got to clear it up a little bit. I mean, it's their very first funding round. Four and a half mil is a drop in the bucket. Uh, barely compared to, you know, what everybody else is raising right now. So hopefully we get more clarity moving forward, but, um, you know, either well, part, way, I don't, I like, think part like of it, well, Sorry, just to interject, I mean, the, the, the repayment, like when you go to the marketplace, a lot of them are denominated in USDC stable coins. So I think you're, you're looking for ways to, to earn some kind of yield on, on this. I'm not really sure. Um, but clearly they're onto something. And I think the, the real premise here is to think a little past that and, and to look into the future a bit. Um, it's, it's definitely something that will make the flow more blockchain more valuable and it's a reputable team, but I'm still a little fuzzy on um, the use case as it stands today. However, still optimistic for, for what they're doing. Same. So um, just to move this along, I know the other article um, that we have here is just a really quick one on a developer fund that started up at the NIM startup. So they've committed $300 million to a developer fund. And I noticed in their Telegram, this is where I found this, they were trying to counteract a little bit of the, the VC, anti-VC bias in crypto. They have made this token has, has really underperformed. It just went public and they listed it a week or two ago and it just completely dumped and it just makes it look bad. It looks like on the surface, all the insiders just dumping. And so I think this, this developer fund is, is one thing that they've launched to try to say, Hey, the, the VCs, they've put $300 million of money into this fund they're in this, they're interested in, in the longevity of, of what they're trying to build. So I think there's like a little bit of a PR reaction here. Like this, this fund uh, is a little bit of a PR reaction. Maybe it's just time, timing coincidence, but they're spinning it in such a way to say, look, they're, they, the VC people who are involved are committed to this longer term, etc. But what I want to Every now and then we point out these funds, these ecosystem grant funds, these developer funds, and it's a little bit of a continuation of that trend where we see a lot of money sloshing around for people who want to go out and try to build something new. And so the grants under this program will range from roughly 50 grand to several million dollars, depending on the proposed projects and what they're trying to do, the, the different teams. Um says that NIM is not taking in the full 300 million up front, but instead plans to draw on these commitments it's received when necessary. So NIM, they're building a decentralized mix net. Think about uh, the Tor network, but add on an incentive structure. So if you were to run the Tor network, a node in your computer, I'm sorry, a, a node in your apartment, you don't receive any money for doing that. This would change that so that you could actually receive crypto for running a, a mixnet. Super interesting concept. I'm currently building a couple nodes for this. And I mean, they want to have a smart contract platform on top of it. They've, they've been developing it. It's very early days with that. But I do think a fund like this will incentivize a lot of open source builders 
to experiment and, and try to add value to the protocol. So I'm I'm keen to do some some mixed net participation, earn some of the token uh, in a less risky way than just deploying capital. And I'm excited to see what people build on this. Definitely, yeah. No, I'm uh, I'm down to dabble as soon as that is the mixed net live yet. I'm not sure. I don't. I know. I probably not. I'm not yeah, sure. I was gonna say I <laughs> thought that we had until June. I think I read, but. I mean, either way, yeah, NIM is definitely an exciting project. And like you were saying, it seems like they're trying to get some outside eyes and ears uh, working on NIM to try and come up with different solutions and different, you know, applications um, with this 300 mil. But yeah, I mean, like we were just saying, uh, you know, Floaty had 4.5 mil. This is 300 mil in developer funds that are going straight out, um, you know, as soon as they're needed to help developers build. And uh, for those who don't know anything about NIM, NIM protects privacy at the network layer by encrypting and relaying your internet traffic through a multi-layered network called a mixnet, which is what me and Cam or me and uh, Swiss are talking about here. So it's said in the article, it's kind of similar to BTC, whereas it pays out, you know, for not new blocks, but incentivizing and decentralizing the mixnet is that right yeah so i think originally this was a fork of btc like they were running oh. they were paying out bitcoin to people who were participating in the test net um this is a separate chain now though i mean it's it's built on the cosmos sdk i don't know when ibc will be enabled but this is certainly um looks to be a little bit of an architecturally an architecturally um advantaged system i know it's i think it's zk based so different from how secret network works and mm -hmm. i i foresee competition uh later in the in the lifespan uh secret has a huge first mover advantage um nim so i know that the the mainnet is coming they haven't enabled staking rewards um the guy who runs the altar validator on secret network, he's actually a Genesis validator for NIM. And so I was asking him about it the other day, how it's been going, but it hasn't launched live yet. So um, I think it's still kind of in the very early days. And I, I actually, I asked a lot of secret people, secret network people, what they think about NIM and they, a lot of people haven't heard of it. So that tells me a couple things. One, um, it's an under recognized project, despite having really, strong funding from VCs and two that the, the competition, it, people are not viewing it as a serious competitive threat, which I think is not the right viewpoint. I, I think no. it's still a long ways away from, from them being a, a serious contender for, for private smart contract market share. But I don't think it's ever good to just rest on your laurels and, and to ignore what others are doing. So I'm, you know, keen to <laughs> keen to learn and participate a little bit to just the hedge bets a bit. Well, yeah. And that's the thing, like, you know, we've been interested in the secret network for a while now and I've held Monero for five or six years at this point. And, you know, anything that's trying to preserve privacy and make it harder not harder to trace, just easier for me to keep my privacy on the blockchain. I'm 100% for, and this may ruffle some feathers, but I feel like 
some, if not a lot, in the cosmos atmosphere or ecosystem do not really like looking outside of the cosmos ecosystem because if they like something, they'll just try to build it on there so that it further, you know, gratifies their cosmos wants. But I mean, I know that my personal goal is to make as much money as possible through these crypto startups and blockchain companies and obviously stick with and invest in the ones that I have faith in. But yeah, there's no reason to pigeonhole yourself uh, so early in the game. You know, you get three darts in a dart game. You shouldn't use all three for one investment, in my opinion. So true. So true. And yeah, I think it's just really, really what you said about keeping an open eye towards other landscapes, other competitive threats is super important, especially in a space that moves as fast as crypto and this amount of money washing around, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 300 mil is nothing to bat an eye at. Yeah. So, you know, we'll keep watching these, these new, new entrants and just trying to stay ahead of, ahead of the market. Um, Mike, man, always great to talk to you. Oh yeah. Fabulous brother. Hope you have Thanks a good day. Thanks for listening in. We will have more tomorrow of Daybreak Crypto. Take care. See you then.